0: Welcome to the Transit Matters Podcast, episode 26 for March 22nd, 2016. Transit Matters advocates for fast, frequent, reliable, and effective public transit in and around Boston. It's part of our vision to repair, upgrade, and expand the transit network, the MBTA. We aim to elevate the conversation around transit issues through informed planning and critical analysis, showing why transit matters and where we go from here. I am Jeremy Mendelson. I'm a geographer, transit service planner, and a longtime Boston transportation advocate. I co-founded Transit Matters to help improve the discourse around transit issues and elevate our vision for a transit network that works for everyone.
1: And I'm Mark Abunya. I'm our communications and social media manager. By day, I'm an IT systems administrator, and by night, I'm the Leslie Nope of transit geeking out over transit celebrities, governance, policy, and civic engagement.
2: Hi, I'm Josh Fairchild. I'm a board member here at Transit Matters. I work as an attorney, but in my free time, I like to indulge my passion for improving communities through better development and infrastructure, specifically with regards to transit and transportation networks. And since Jared isn't here tonight to uh, claim that he's from Oklahoma, I will be the resident Oklahoman in the room.
1: And today we're joined by uh, apparently two-time guests, now three-time guest, uh, Ari off seven.
3: Yeah, you can't get rid of me, can you? (laughs) Um, what do you want me to say about myself? I'm eating bagel uh, and I am a transit advocate. I work for the Charles River TMA. We run the Easy Ride shuttle, which is the last mile shuttle in Cambridge. Um, so we do a lot of transit operations and um, just uh, advocating for better transit. And I think we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. And thanks for having me,
0: guys. No, thank you. Thanks for stopping off on, uh, on your way and running home. Anytime. Uh,
1: he was literally on his way home running and then we actually coming from home and then going to track <laughs>
3: it's a long story don't don't run boston <laughs>
1: um so we're kicking off the discussion today on uh unfortunately uh, we woke up here in the, on the east coast uh to the unfortunate events of um the bombings at the airport in i believe it was belgium in brussels in brussels mm-hmm. um At the airport and a bombing in their transit system, which brings us kind of to the topic of uh, the unfortunate and real topic of transit and terrorism and where we are today. What is the T doing? And I guess my my knowledge of this at least stems from what we have had as far as an investment in the system in the last decade. And a lot of that has been from DHS money. Uh, Department of Homeland Security money coming to the T. Uh, and for better or for worse, uh, funding some security improvements like uh, cameras across the network, both uh, in stations, which have, you know, on the other hand, also helped uh, with uh, station platform uh, cameras to help. Uh, single person train operation for cameras for visibility of the length along the length of the train, um, and also cameras on buses that uh, transportation police, I guess, roaming the system can theoretically tap into remotely as, uh, as they approach a bus if there's an incident on a bus or something, and so. Um, is that,
2: re- that you said theoretically, but is that practically they can actually do they it?
1: can actually do that right. right so that was that was the there was a pilot, and so far as i 've seen it 's pretty much been deployed now on basically all of the buses out of some of the garages and
2: uh, so what would they tap in from their patrol car? yes yeah, so okay. they
1: they 'd trail the bus and then I guess within a certain radius of the of the uh, the local area network, the the internet connection with the the uh, the bus, they'd be able to tap in, uh, and on like a computer inside their their patrol car, they'd be able to tap into each of the cameras on on the bus to and see. And can
2: it. central control do the same?
1: I, I don't think so. I, I think I think part of that system, what I at least at least when the the reports came out about the pilot a couple of years ago, it was explicitly that the patrol cars had to be within a certain radius around the bus so
2: what what about hardwired camera i know i'm asking tons of questions what no, are hard- no, no. hardwired cameras in uh for example south station so yeah those On plug platforms? directly
1: into the operation con- operations control center so so both from a uh from a crowd control perspective and you know and daily operations perspective it also provides surveillance cameras for well i mean from the mundane like I don't know if this is mundane, but the the occasional person riding in a motorized wheelchair going up an escalator say at Andrew Station, or you know, at, I guess a terrorist attack. So, or a pickpocket,
2: or, or a pickpocket, you know, or something like that. like that. Yeah,
3: there's a lot of um, if you if you follow the transit police blog, there's a lot of times where they there will be some crime and. and they will basically get mug shots of, of the person. Yeah. You can't really do anything on the tee without having your photo yeah. taken many times.
1: Like, that, like the time that uh, Rich Davey, uh, who was our previous guest, was caught. Uh, uh, what was it? He, he, they had, they had he footage caught, of him
2: chasing a fair evader. Yeah, he, right.
1: the fair evader was jumping over the fair gates, and he stepped in and was like, "Oh, well, wait a second. <laughs> uh, I run the system. Um, can I help you? So
3: and
2: then he recruited him for the Olympic team. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then this goes a step further, and this may not yeah. be something everybody in the, in the room knows about. But so, let's say there's a, a scenario where um, there's a hostage situation in a subway station. Does... Um, does the state's emergency management like bunker? I don't know actually where it is or anything like that, but can they tap into the camera system to monitor an ongoing situation? That that bunker, the emergency, the MEMA bunkers is uh,
1: like in Springfield or something. Way yeah, it's in framing West, him. Framingham. Framingham. Framingham.
2: Oh, is it really Framingham? Yeah, right him? on Route Nine. Oh. you can see I mean, see this it. could be for a, for a, a natural disaster or anything okay. that might be yeah. useful. I wonder, can they get this footage? I mean,
3: I. I don't know if you guys know, uh, the 45 High Street Operations Center, yep. if you've ever been there, has, can cap into any of those cameras. Yep. And I think they then can be in communication. There's always people there, and they can get – I'm sure that they, they can get to T-Police, and they can yes. get to any number of agencies. Yeah. So there, I think that's probably
1: – MIMA coordinates uh, emergency drills every once in a while, and I and I feel like there was one relatively recently, and they they like to – you know uh advertise i remember last summer actually i think mima and mass dot did a and commuter rail did a um an emergency evacuation of uh what's what i i don't follow sports what's the what's the football stadium south of here Fox, foxborough. <laughs> foxborough yeah they they invited people to um Go ahead. <laughs> in foxborough
3: yes uh i'm old school i don't remember those corp schaefer stadium
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah they they invited people to volunteer to to do emergency evacuation so they do trainings and they do cross cross departmental coordination in the event of an emergency um uh, so and 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 like ari said uh these the 45 high street operations control center for the t on a daily basis, not only has actually you know specific cameras actually up on their big board, um, but they can tap in. They can tap into any of the cameras that have been installed. Again, mo- all of those not coming from operational uh, capital programs that are like taking money away from you know new trains or new signals. The- these are uh, this is money that's being provided to the PT uh, by the Department of Homeland Security explicitly to install. I guess. I wouldn't say anti-terrorism stuff, but I, I think there was even a DHS program. Not only for, not, not only the giant bag that was in Harvard Square as an awareness campaign, uh, if anybody remembers that, the giant red bag that behind. If you see
2: something, say something. Yeah,
1: that turned into like a giant dusty, dirty, ugly bag because they didn't clean it. for... They kept it in the system for 18 months and then they didn't clean it. Um, but that was that was funded by DHS, and then of course MBTA gets the flat because nobody understands that that's coming from. They can They can't. It's not like they can use the money for anything else DHS says you know go use the money for the, for this
2: well unlike most of money that is spent by DHS I do feel like cameras and surveillance equipment as much as I don't like being surveilled is probably it's one of those multi-purpose yeah um, types of um, uh, expenditures that I really do like to see it's one of the few things c- because I feel like mostly DHS uh, has become a bureaucracy that is just security theater and mm-hmm. I really I hate the fact that we're spending billions of dollars on theater in our airports. Um, and, I, and I think that's most of m- my mentality about most security precautions is that it's uh, a break on the economy, a break on transportation and commerce, and basically just makes us feel a little bit safer um, in between attacks.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the like the giant um, security mail processing facility that they've just built at the, the World Trade Center. Not to say that it doesn't serve a purpose. In fact, in some ways, it's streamlining a lot of the parcel delivery and stuff like that 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 goes into that giant like multi-block, uh, complex, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge expenditure and a lot, sometimes it's security theater. Uh, I, especially with respect to the cameras, it, again, like you said, it's, it's, it does, it serves a dual purpose, not only after the, after an incident, um, in, in providing surveillance footage of, you know, possible, um, Assailants or suspects, um, but also in operations like you know, how crowded is Park Street right now? Do we need to? Uh, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen the T do this, but um, at least in London, they they take advantage of these security cameras that are in the, across their system. Again, also uh, done partial, you know, for the dual purpose of operations and security. Uh, and said, and they they coordinate actual entrance uh, closures to make sure that the platforms don't get so crowded that. You know, you have people falling onto the tracks. So,
0: I, I have to be a dissenting voice here because I mean, I I I think a lot of this is a, is an extraordinary waste of money. Yeah. I mean, you talk about security theater. Um, you know, if somebody wants to bring in a bomb in South Station and blow up South Station, they're going to do it. You know, putting up putting up a bunch of cameras. I mean, okay, so now you got everybody on on camera, and and what are what are the police doing with this? Um, you know, we we all know that the police are not always the most benevolent force in the world um you know and so um sure they do a lot of great things but we hear about all these abuses that are that are going on all the people that are getting shot by the police and you know you sort of wonder okay at least all these poor communities that complain that they're you know being harassed by the police all the time you see that you also see the fact that you know when they put up these cameras on the buses and and it shows everybody you know this is visible to the public um you know people see that and they say Oh, this is you know the TIA spending money on this, and they're not spending money on their service, and and you know we we the four of us in the room understand that that's not how that works, but it you know it comes across as in, in that way, and it's it's just you know we we are not going to prevent um th- there there may be some value to to trying to to help find somebody who's committed an assault or something, but in terms of in terms of of. You know, large-scale terrorism. Like we're not going to prevent that, right? You know, unless we stop stealing people's oil and propping up dictators in the Middle East. I mean, right. you know, if we want to come down to that, and you know, stealing oil for cars, among other things. But That's, you know, I, it's I, not like some cameras are going to solve that.
1: Well, cameras on buses, at least outward-facing cameras, are used by the T in dealing with uh pedestrian and bicyclist strikes
0: that's fine so So if we want to make the argument that you know we're basically using this dhs money to do things you know to spend on things that we we should have for other reasons then okay fine but i just you know everybody talks about you know the security stuff and it just i don't see that
3: all right i'm going to actually dissent from both of your points (laughs) um i would this is good we're having a discussion Um, for for one thing i think that for a lot of people Especially on buses, where they have the cameras and then they show on the they actually have a screen that shows those cameras on the bus um I think that's really helpful. The buses are you know when when you're on a bus, there's a driver they don't really know what's going on behind a lot of the buses for better or for worse, serve sort of more disadvantaged uh, higher crime areas. Mm-hmm. I think it probably makes people feel better when they're on the bus that there is that surveillance and they know that if something happens that you know, or people, it's it's preventative in, in as much as people are less likely to do that since they know they're being recorded and since they can see right there that they're being recorded. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that probably does make them feel better about being on a bus, especially if you're on a bus with only a few other people, it's sort of empty. Um, it's sort of like being on an empty s- sidewalk at night. Um, the other thing is that I think, you know, and as much as we don't want, you know, it's, we don't want state surveillance, I I sort of feel like there's there, there's sort of the tinfoil hat argument where people, you know, you, I hear people say, oh, I don't want to sign up for EasyPass for my car because then the government will know where I am. It's like the government's already taken pictures of your license plate, for better or for your, worse.
1: Your carrier knows where your cell your, phone is. Yeah.
3: And people, I hear, oh, I, I wrap my cell phone in tin Come <laughs> on, guys. But for, as far as transit goes, um, you know, it, when you're in public, you really have no expectation of privacy and you probably shouldn't. And if you look at what cameras did in 2013 after the terrorist attacks, they were able to... Now, when they did the terrorist attacks for the marathon, they did it on probably, I, I would say, the most photographed section of street in the world that day. Mm-hmm. And they were able to find pictures of the guys. It took a couple of days. They were able to find pictures. Now, they didn't get on the T, but if they had, they may have said, hey, look, they're on the one bus. They got at Norfolk Street. We sort of know where they're getting on. And they were able to find, get those pictures. The pictures... Of the terrorists, they didn't come from a, a, a camera on the T, but they they could have, and so I think that as far as looking at terrorism goes, there's pr- probably some minor value, but it's sort of compounded by the fact that there are other other things that happen on the T, and I think for for the traveling public it makes people feel a lot better when it, it, it's a lot less theaterish than the airline stuff. Right. Where, yeah, uh, you I mean, know,
0: I'm, I'm just, I, I guess I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking like, you know, it's just, it's the issue of prevention is, you know, it's yeah. just, we're not going to prevent these things. But I, I, I also, think that's more effective. I think
3: it's prevention. in as much as people know, people know that people know that if you do something on the T, they will have a picture of yeah. you. And then transit police can go in and say, you know, when they, when they post that picture of here's the guy we're looking for, here's how we caught him. They're not really. They're doing that in, in in part to say, "Here's how we caught them," but also in part to say, "Don't do anything because we're gonna. We have pictures of it." So I, I, think I have it to agree
2: with Jeremy that um, we're not the the prevention. The 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 best way to prevent um, terrorist activities, and the reason that it happens more in Europe than it happens here, besides the fact that there's a, a an adjoining landmass to the people who are uh, who are the terrorists, but um, the or at least where their ideology is coming from. Um, is a societal, um, cultural, you know, issue. And I think the best way to fight it is to, to have lessening, uh, society, uh, structural inequality in your society. Yes. And, and the fact, and and have, uh, the American dream not be an illusion. Like these are the kinds of ways and and to actually integrate people, which that's probably America's best strong point is the fact that people are, get integrated to a greater extent than they do in other societies that are not as much of a melting pot. Um, even if we do have so many issues of racism here, but If, if we're going to actually talk about what can we do, you know, there's two issues. Um, this, well, there's prevention, there's hardening of assets, and then there's like the surveillance. And I, I, the reason I, I like the surveillance, even though I don't like being surveilled, is is as other people have pointed out, is that it, it prevents many other things besides terrorism. It doesn't prevent terrorism, but if there's an ongoing event, perhaps it could be used theoretically i hope i hope that it would be used well i completely agree about the point about the buses you know i didn't grow up on buses i i live in a neighborhood now that is not the same type of neighborhood that i lived in growing up um and there've definitely been times um that i have been on a bus and there has been to me suspicious activity um which may be, you know, issues I have, you know, but (laughs) suspicious activity. And I looked and I saw there was a camera and I thought, you know what, it's probably not something I'm going to worry about as much. So I personally felt reassured by that, even though that's not a prevention of terrorism Mm -hmm. issue. But as far as hardening of assets, um, this gets to, um, you know, disaster resiliency also. Um, Because one of the things that was mentioned uh, in an interview uh, on uh, WGBH this morning or in NPR this morning was that, you know, the bombing at the airport took place in like before security because the airport itself had been hardened but the lobby of the airport had not been hardened so then you played this game of how far out can you harden your assets (laughs) because you know they'll just get as close as they can and explode the bomb um so it was disastrous in a part of the airport that hadn't been hardened against uh, against bombs and in the subway which hadn't presumably also so what is it that we can do to harden those assets i mean we trains seem to be on the one hand um assets that Are not as great of targets because there's some sort of psyche about airline travel and wanting to bomb that. Uh, And trains aren't as as interesting of a target from that perspective. Um, But on the other hand, they seem to be more vulnerable, and the security is more lax. And I think we all appreciate the fact that you can just get on the train and not have to deal with your bags being searched. But what what can be done from procedures, Amtrak, commuter rail, the subway, and and hardening the asset to prevent? um in, in the prevention mode well on the contrary I'd, i have to say that I, i've definitely noticed
1: i i feel like the terrorists have not been uh, uh they they have not been Uh, less put off by the appeal of, say, bombing a rush hour train. Like,
2: that that has definitely happened on multiple... Madrid, London,
3: the stuff in Tokyo in the 90s. Yeah.
2: So so would you attribute the fact that it hasn't happened yet, you know, in New York or another major system here more to the fact that uh, terrorism generally... Has been has been prevented more so. Yeah, yeah, I,
1: so, yeah. M- yeah maybe, maybe maybe a cultural. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't know I don't know if we can realistically harden the, those assets. I mean, I'd agree, so yeah. so there are, there are some there are some measures that those systems have done. So, for example, I think New York City has invested in. Not only have they removed. Uh, waste bins from their system because removing waste is expensive, and then you end up just spending more money with track fires, whatever. That's another cut dec- conversation. Um, but they've hardened those ass that the asset of the waste bin with, I guess, anti blast or blast proof. Uh, waste bins, and I think that we have them in our system too. We uh, tried
0: them and they failed. They were a miserable oh, that's failure. right. I'm sorry,
1: no, they were a miserable. I, I do remember that I mean, we, we did some investment on that, but this yeah,
0: stuff, this stuff is crazy. I mean, yeah. you, you're not going to prevent yeah. it. I mean, if you're yeah. going to keep going and you know, and, and going in countries where you don't belong, it's just you can't. You're not going to prevent this. stuff. Yeah, the, for yeah. for
3: something like for something like air travel, where it's there, it's it's a soft target. It's really you know, you have a small bomb on a plane and you'll crash a plane. You actually have to get a you know the, a, a reasonably. It, it, a reasonably sized thing now, people, if they want to attack transit you 're going to you have to r- go to the root causes, which really I mean are sort of beyond the purview of this block we 're not going to go into psychology and <laughs> international relations. Uh, blog, podcast, whatever. We're on there. <laughs> it's a um, it's yeah. a verbal blog. The verbal blog. <laughs> but also,
0: yeah. I mean, the T can't T can't even handle a, a signal problem. I mean, who are we kidding here? So the T is gonna the T is going you know get all this data and they're gonna you know prevent yeah. it or gonna organize a great response or whatever. I mean, they can't even deal with the signal problem.
1: Right. And I mean, maybe that speaks a little bit to the automation and investment issues. But I I, I I'll, I'll reinforce that uh that kind of underlying sentiment that the in, the more the more investment that happens in in security that that does not also align with an investment in or that is not matched with an investment in service improvements it 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 just it just serves to harm the the public uh, perception of the T and its uh and its ability to prioritize the spending whether or not it's actually coming from f- funding sources that the T can even realign so like for example the Green Line extension not the Green Line extension the Green Line uh, sorry the reopening of the Government Center Station again that was a, that was a fund that was a something that was funded by the federal government FTA put in uh, money for you know uh uh for an ADA grant. And that was what the money had to be spent on. It had to be spent on rehabilitating stations, making them accessible, uh, to, to persons with disabilities. And, and it just so happens that we got a nice refurbished station. Um, but it, and it, and it also happens to align with, you know, this, this perception that the T is spending money and reinvesting in its core assets and blah, 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 blah. But again, it, it, it came from, uh, DHS money can only be spent on X, Y, and Z, and it so might not necessarily co- It might not necessarily improve service. It
2: sounds like maybe the consensus here is that you know if there is expenditures that are coming from outside of the T that are and that have multiple you know purposes, you yeah. know, um, we help us realize other goals. Then you know that's 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 one thing. But, but if we're we're almost advocating, it's it's not really worth. The expense um, to prevent something that can't be prevented, yeah. just 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 yeah. for the sake of show. Because yes. because the one yeah. thing I the one thing I think about, and we're gonna we're gonna move on shortly. The one thing I think about is let's say the Olympics had come here, oh, and <laughs> uh, the the Secret Secret Service would have been uh, and and the the, the country the, the United States would have been responsible for yeah. the funding of security here. I'm I'm wondering there there must there would have been I think a big effort to do something. Maybe it would just be spent on perimeter and keeping. You know, people out, but there would have been some expense also, going hopefully. to that. And I'm wondering if that yeah. is an expense that would have been completely wasted, or if yeah. there's an expense there that we would have thought, oh, you know what, that's that's a good long lasting mm-hmm. capital investment in security.
1: Maybe the capital investments in improving the service to the Olympic. I mean, facilities, the bottom but, line, no.
0: <laughs> I mean, at the bottom line, you know, far more far more people die in car crashes and, you know, and, and, uh, and their kids yep. shooting them in the head because they got access yep. to a gun that wasn't secured and, you know, any number of things, Than terrorism. So, they're, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, you know, and we talk about things that, um, you know, they can't, you know, hardening assets and things. And, um, you know, we, we also had, um, there have been a couple of high-profile incidents, uh, one in, in Washington, D.C., uh, recently where the, the system had the general manager ordered a complete shutdown of the metro rail system uh, to do safety inspections and found a number of uh, very dangerous electrical cables. Um, and then in um, well, the San Francisco yeah. Bay Area, uh, Bay Area Rapid Transit, uh, BART, which is very similar to uh, DC's metro rail system, uh, had to, they had a couple of shutdowns, one a couple months ago uh, of the Transbay tube, and then uh, another one, just the uh, just the other day, and it's this is ongoing. Yeah, um, a portion of their line is out because of some electrical spike problem that they can't seem to figure out, and they're you know, and they're they're in the headlines for you know, surprise, being honest about their system, the fact that they you know, these are two systems just like ours that haven't invested and. I Have n't upgraded the system as it should be, and uh, you know my question is uh, when do we have a complete shutdown?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, again, uh, well, so adding more context to the Wamata shutdown, it was not only on the heels of the general manager's uh, release of his plan to uh, get to get the public to uh, trust and believe in WMATA again, and not just some lofty goal, but by improving service and not focusing on the things that need to happen in the background, but just saying, look, I understand that there's a lot of things in the back end. We'll take care of that, but these are the, this, these are our promises to you. And so uh, the WMATA shutdown was a very decisive, uh, shutdown of the system, a a 24 hour shutdown of the system. After a similar incident to, um, one that actually killed, I think it was at least one person because know, of smoke, right. in, smoke inhalation. Um, it was like, because like of the arcing, tea called, It's just like
0: yeah. the T. They called it a smoke incident. Well, yeah, it was a like smoke They didn't come out yeah. at the time and say, you know, the T, when the T had that fire on the Orange Line and the train ran over the panel. It's like, right. they didn't come out and say, hey, look, Governor, everybody else, you know, we got to fix our system. It's crumbling. They the were just like, like, yeah, we'll take it, care of it. It's that's kind of like the
2: smoke monster on Lost, I think. Yeah. That's a smoke incident. Yeah. There's nothing we can do about that. Well, so,
1: and then and then Bart's issue is, uh, their the the spiking it's it's killing it's basically shorting out their equipment um, some sort of uh, electrical issue in the Transbay Tunnel uh, that crosses underneath the uh, the Bay into from Oakland into uh, to San Francisco and so uh, speaking honestly on uh, with their passengers I think is the common thread under the under these two whereas the FMCB and all of the reform efforts have been. Oh, we're, we'll we'll take care of this. Uh, we'll work on around the the margins on these these very very salient issues like, uh, you know, um, seventy the growing the growing uh, cost of the operations on um, from from the retirement fund from the pensions and blah 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 fair and evasion all, fair evasion, evasion fair evasion all of these other things yeah. that are kind of like the feel good and 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 they they do really really great in Boston Herald articles but they they're not. They're not about service, and but but the a lot of a lot of the rhetoric it makes it seem like the T is losing significant sums of money around these issues, and so the FMCB I, I I trust some of the work that some of the the board members are doing, but the the overall tone isn't about hey let's let's improve the the T's service, and you know we'll work on the other stuff on the back end. It's just it's more of the exp- it's more exposing these things to the public that don't. They're well, not really gaining... I don't want to say that we need brownie points for the tea, but what we need is trust in the tea for them to do the work that they need to do. I do have a
2: question. I think for, first a comment that uh, just... I think the fact that we've cut down on our GM's um, dry cleaning bill is probably, <laughs> probably half the battle. But <laughs> well, it's because um, he's you know, a man. He doesn't <laughs> need dry cleaning. No, but, but, but the real, the real point <laughs> I wanted to make was these fires that have been happening in the other systems, they've yeah. been power source related, mm-hmm. and our... I'm wondering if our winter resiliency efforts, which have been focusing on our third rails, is going to maybe help us uh, keep from having some of these issues because we put a lot of effort into the third rail. And, um, you know, because I think the fires, the smoke and the fires we've had have been from like parts falling off of orange line cars. Which would go away when we have new Orange Line cars? Uh, that yeah. issue
0: would yeah. if we if we get to that point. I mean, my my thought is that we're at some point in the next year or two, like we're going to have some kind of major collapse, right? Because the equipment is just not up to snuff. Yeah. The the stuff is not being. I mean, they don't have staff to inspect and fix all these things in a proper manner. Right. And you know, I'm sure we have some of the same stuff that's that they're finding in D.C. Well, we're yeah. just not talking about it. Well, have they not
2: done a complete inspection of the third rails as part of the winter resiliency?
0: I, I don't know enough I, to know about that because I, I, I thought they had
2: to do that to assess the uh, yes. SGR backlog. I would assume oh, that probably. that was part of the
1: yeah. because because they've also they've also gone out and said, look, we've replaced third rail that hasn't been replaced in uh, a century or something like that. And so, um, but I mean, the, but that's, that's the, that's the, the track side infrastructure. And that, and that's what, that's what WMATA and, and uh, BART are dealing with. BART is also getting new cars and so is WMATA, um, but they're, they're getting them much sooner than we are. Uh, but, I mean, cause then, cause then you talk about the, the issues that are on the orange line cars, the issues that, that's, basically ground the system to a halt last year on the red line and the orange line were parts that are on those trains. there were the
2: DC motors. Well,
1: the DC motors that ingest the the, the snow and then they melt and then they short. And then, like, I don't know, if you go to the uh, youtube.com slash MBTAGM channel, uh, you can see way back a couple of, I think it was 2011, the that super, super terrible snow season that we also had where the same thing was happening. And their solution was pantyhose. We're going to put pantyhose on this, uh, on this, on this this component, so it stops ingesting all of the snow. But like, is that going to really hold? Like, like Jeremy said, is that really going to hold us until what is it 20, 2018 which is when our first pilot car should be coming in?
0: I mean, so- we have we have um, we have signal systems, the the signal relay is on the Green Line from nineteen fifteen. Um, the T for the Catenary Systems. The T literally makes parts in their in the house because they they can't get these anymore because they're so old.
1: Made in Everett.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it, you know, it's great we can do these things, but I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not. I'm sure this is not the best stuff we can get. So Bes- uh, our
2: bespoke signal system.
3: Let me take a couple steps back here. First of all, I, and I'm going to use language I think that I heard on the 538 podcast, so we don't swear. Wamata <laughs> is what they were calling a garbage truck fire, and they have some major structural issues. Uh, yep. The system is getting old, and the system is their system now is where we were in like the 40s. Mm-hmm. The system's getting old, and the system has um, has has some some personnel issues. In that there are a lot of people who are hired 30 years ago who've been there for 30 years and who are really sort of coasting. There's an article that I can't find offhand right now uh, about this. I think the T actually probably has doesn't have as many of those issues. Uh, amongst other things, because you know it has so many different pieces that the green line is different from the blue line is different from the orange and red line, that there are just there 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 are personnel issues that are not the Washington uh, and, and this article which if if we can find it I'm sure we can put it up on the on, on the blog mm-hmm. was just showing uh, w- about how poorly run WMATA has been. Um, I think that the T certainly has issues, but they're not to that level and lamada has lamada is losing ridership um because of it's those issues it has dramatic um dramatic failures in uh and and in on time performance and, you know, the T the does as well, but I, we're, we're really not at that no. state. Uh, going, you know, the second part is before, I, I really think the sky is falling rhetoric is not useful here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The sky is falling rhetoric, you know, if, if, if we were where WMATA is right now, then yes, the sky is falling rhetoric. Um, the, the orange line cars have their issues, and I think they need more inspections. I think we need to make sure that everything's well secured. But for the most part, they work pretty well. They don't work well. Not in the snow, um, but otherwise. Not, not the <laughs> snow, but you know. And, and last how year, how, how many? How often are we going to have? Last year, the issue was not the orange line cars. It was that we had more snow than we've ever had before. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and 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 I, I have in my blog there. I wrote I wrote a post last year. It wasn't just that it was a little more. We had you know it, this this is like a one in hundred more than a century. 100 years. It's, yeah. it's, I, Although it did well, expose the
2: fact that we weren't adequately prepared for well, we, normal I amounts mean, of snow, do that, I mean. but that's not normal. No, because yeah.
3: this year we this year we've had thirty inches of snow, which is within a standard deviation and we've had no snow related issues mm-hmm. this is like a normal snow year in boston a little warmer last year was 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 something like four or five standard deviations beyond yep. in, in many so that's you know no one's really maybe in in sapporo japan where that's normal they, they know what to do with it we really don't and we've we it, it exposed some issues we put money in the third rail i think about the third rail the outside parts are you know the, i don't think they were doing the inside parts of the tunnel but no. i think that the t the the power the third rail power systems are for better, or for worse, probably not as bad as Oman is right yeah. now, um, and so I, I think that kind of rhetoric really doesn't help the, the the you know saying oh if we make it to to getting new cars well I mean the other op- there, there's really no other option we can't really fast track mm-hmm. that so I think that it's it's a good decision and and one thing to note is that no one from FMCB or anyone else has said well let's delay these cars I think right. everyone knows right. that's an issue. Do we have to make sure? Do we? But it, it, it then sort of takes. Say it says, what do we do? Um, instead of crying, you know, doing do, do, do the the sky is falling. One thing to do is is demand some more accountability. Which is the fact that the fares were raised, but there's no plan to say we're going to take these there are these you know, they're 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 saying, Oh, we raised the fares and we're gonna put it put the that extra money towards maintenance. But there's nothing there's no one saying we're gonna go out and replace third rail on the red line mm-hmm. and there's no prioritization. I think the 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 T really needs to come out publicly. I think this will go into well, on the CIP
2: included um third line third rail replacement. Sure.
3: But yeah. the T the, the no one's going out and saying um, you know, no one. There's no pub, no one going out publicly and saying we're going to do A, B, and C. Yes, it's
1: order. not like it's not like Walmart's new general manager who has said this is our plan for service improvements. Th- these are these are the customer facing changes that we are making. Transit signal priority. You know, uh, a bunch of other things. Change the signal priority was the latest press release that I got. But like, so, so
2: what you're saying yeah. is nobody is saying this to the general public. You have to look in. You have the, to look in PDF that no right. one reads. You right. have
1: to go into the... Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, they hold hearings and no, blah, blah, no, no, blah. Yeah. It's,
2: it's not a... They even have a dashboard.
1: I mean, admittedly, because Walmart, because of the state of where Wamata is today, they even have a nice, neat dashboard of all of the screwed up things that they need to... The progress that they're making and the screwed up things that they need to fix. But... You know, we we shouldn't have to wait for the FTA to step in and say we're going to take over the system and do a full system audit and say you need to fix these systems.
2: Now we're getting a dashboard. Is that only covering on time performance, or is, is that not covering SGA? Uh,
1: if you're thinking of the if I, if that's SGR the dashboard is. I'm
2: thinking of, then it's probably just like the
1: live dashboard that has been an ongoing effort with IBI Group and the MBTA, where it's like smarter automated delay reporting and prediction and like data analysis that Puts it into that nice format that you that was uh, I think a few years ago the a couple of students as part of their master thesis did like this huge report and visualization of this is look this we can based on this visualization we can see where the delays are and we build this heat map and you know that's basically what they're building that's
3: okay. uh, that that's the um, mbta.meteor.com yes that's great the life. site. Um, and it's live, and, and but I, I think going, this shouldn't be rocket science. Yeah. And the fact that the FMCB isn't coming out and saying one of our priorities, you know, it, or the, they're, they're, I think there's not very, with the T and with a lot of other transit data that's sort of endemic to transit agencies, there's no transparency. Yeah. I think one of the things we want to talk about is what happened with BART, with the, right. the tweeter out in BART, yeah. who basically took, took the opportunity to go, go out and say, so. here's how the system screwed up, and we need, the, and, and, and this is a problem with the underlying funding mechanism for the system when we need to invest a lot. And I think that um, I think that, that that any transit agency, the MBTA included, gets a lot of points for coming out and and actually telling the truth. Yeah.
1: And that goes back to uh, some of the operational and personnel issues that you talked about with WMATA. as on the BART side, uh, BART and LA Metro and a lot of the other West Coast uh, transit agencies seem to seem to put in a lot of value into external communication so not only social media but public outreach and and making their programs accessible and easy to find and easy to digest as people like when they did their assessment uh, when Bart did their assessment of okay what do we want our new car trains uh, car seating to look like and what do we want it to to feel like they did a pilot and they had a program and they had a website and it was easy and it was not like the Green Line it was not like the government center project where you know finally after I Started complaining. They started putting up pictures inside the station. But then, when you go to that web
2: page, it's like
1: five million pictures that they load. Pictures of linked- how to
2: get to your destination. <gasps> well, no, not just that. It. Construction pictures. But just like the construction
1: oh. pictures. The page, well the web page itself is like is instead of uploading the pictures to Flickr or and linking to it or something like that. They they actually have. Hundreds of photos but what is on that, that page. so this
2: this communication to the general public, and this was through tweets, which yep, I think is so. good because it 's the most accessible perhaps, but what, what does it really accomplish so it it accomplishes this idea that uh, and is it an ongoing is this something that can happen? Is this something that has has impact because it happens once or is this an ongoing policy?
1: It's an on I, I would say I would have to say it's an ongoing policy and and a lot of it has to do with again what what Bart's managers have have done and what their management allows the external communications and social media team to do. So uh, they under they don't know how how Twitter works, but they understand that this is important to the public's relationship. And solidarity with the riders and ridership that it has right now. So, I mean that it's it, it stops it breaks down that I guess if if anything it breaks down that barrier between the agency and uh, and its ridership saying look we're with you on this and we want to get you there on time and, and not in this ind- disingenuous way like with the MBTA doing their all oh, winter happens and blah 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 campaign. I,
2: w- I wonder though if this if this is able to because because the head of the MBTA. Yep, is is under MassDOT, mm-hmm. which is appointed by the governor, right? And is, is there? And I don't know about Bart. Is, is that one of the reasons? Do they not have that type of political oversight that prevents them from speaking out? No,
1: it's it's entirely it's entirely I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's an easier relationship, but I think it's also a mentality. Like they, um, the again the external communications team. Bart is Bart is a state agency, and I think it's under Caltrans or something. Well, it's a it it's
2: a multi jurisdiction. Yeah. So, but either way. Okay. So, in, in which case the the people on the chairs are the municipalities. Yes. There's not like a direct line to the governor.
0: I think what you're mm-hmm. getting at here is like it's actually a, one of the really big problems with the T over the years is that the T is so politically controlled and always has been. And you know, when Beverly yep. Scott went out and said, you know, you could think whatever you want about her, but when the she next went out she and said out. that, you know, we we have a problem here and this, you know, we're we're not getting attention I mean, you know, she got fired. And so it's like who's gonna who's gonna do that job and who's gonna right. take those risks? Yeah. And nobody's gonna I think
2: that's directly the reason why there's not a department um, or personnel at the T that feels comfortable speaking out honestly about yeah, these things. Well, that's not the, yeah,
1: that's
3: not the strategy. And and, and very much in Bart's credit, they, they they could have fired this guy, they stood behind him. All I right. think that the T would gain huge political capital if they came out and they you know if with beverly scott when she came out and said that if the governor had then said you're right this is something we need to address let's talk about let's talk about how we need to do it versus this sort of political thing and where everyone's trying to score points because yeah but the the problem
2: that that's uh, politically political reality is that when the t does that if they do that they are changing the governor's agenda and that's not something that governors are going to take kindly to, mm. you know, that's, that's like, that's like a cabinet secretary, you know, changing the president's agenda, you know, in the media and the president says, thank you very much for your service. Yeah. I'm going to appoint somebody new because actually I choose my agenda.
0: Yeah. I, think, you know, I think we're screwed is basically what you're saying. Well, I mean, maybe the next, <laughs> <I> do, <laughs> maybe the next
1: step to transportation reform is saying the MBTA should no longer should not be a state agency or not necessarily directly a state agency. It should be a, a regional a regional transit agency and uh you know mass and the rtas they they coordinate And this you know but there's no direct lineup to the governor i think I there's think the a
2: winning g- thought right there i think everybody should hot, hold their thought bubbles on that idea <laughs> because we need to talk more about it and i think that's exactly the right answer but we do need to move on late to night. late night service mitigation yep. it was late night was cut effective what 2 a.m on friday Night or at least two a.m. Saturday morning. No. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, late yep. night service ended. Uh, we talked about on our last show the fact that the the FTA there was FTA complaints and the FTA came back to the MBTA and said you didn't run your. Uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, Equity analyses. I'm not sure if I'm saying that yes, right the way correct. we're supposed to. Yep. Uh, we don't really care if you can't afford the service, you still have to do the analyses. And there were some ideas thrown out in Monday's meeting about what they might do to mitigate the impact of the cuts on low income and diverse communities. Um, what do we know about that? And what are we what do we think might happen?
0: Well it's the so the the equity analysis, what what the equity analysis came up with is basically that um the, the users are overwhelmingly low income and minority and you say, well, yeah, okay, that's of course. We know we know that. Um and and so the question it's still kind of an open question as to what mitigation would be, because if you're you're trying to mitigate for the loss of service on Friday, Saturday nights, late night, uh, by doing something that is not that. Um one of the one of the and so, you know, what, what we're dealing with here is is low income focusing on uh, low income lifeline trips and work trips, and it, it sort of goes to a number of points that we've made before. So I won't belabor this too much, but it goes to you know th- thinking about the span of service and can are there better ways of trying to have better coverage and services available at those extreme hours, like being able to get to a 5 a.m. job or being to get home, being able to get home maybe a 2 a.m. trip. Um, you know, are there options? Are there ways to deal with that? Um, Ari and I were having a conversation about this earlier today, so I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so
3: I mean, and I, 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 this is sort of a blog post that I've thought about a lot and haven't um, haven't haven't written. I've talked to Jim Alvesi about it too. Um, sort of the the short story is one of the problems with the current late night service is there was no there was no goal, there was no no definition of success. So, and I, I wrote or tweeted something about this recently. I think I, there was a blog post recently. Um, Where I basically said the end of the 2005 night hour service was that was a failure. 600 people rode in two hours. That's 300 people per hour. Well, the end of uh, the late night service was 8,700 people in an hour and a half. That's like the the numbers came out to that it was uh, 26 or 27 times as popular. I think that's an unmitigating success. But because it wasn't as popular, because they never defined success and the new FMCB, <laughs> people came in and said, well, you know, it's not being as well used as a rush hour trip. Well, of course it's not. But so, so is service at 5 in the morning on a weekday or 9 on a Sunday. So you only was,
1: run trains during rush
3: hour. it only run trains. And, and so, okay, fine. Well, let's turn off all traffic lights other than rush hour. That'll work fine because the roads aren't as heavily used. Yeah, no. Right? It's every every
2: mainstream uh, media piece begins with – this service was not successful per the MBTA's ridership numbers, not per any type or of, any type of goal that we were going for. Yeah. And they also, and every every thought piece on it that doesn't come from the Commonwealth magazine, <laughs> uh, you know, um, starts out by saying, okay, you know, it, it's a given that the cost per rider was too high, which I think we all know isn't necessarily the case. But I wonder if, because because I've always thought, well, why didn't they? Start out with ridership goals. And I wonder if when, you know, Governor Patrick had this, you know, implemented this, if they thought, well, if we don't have goals, then no one can say it's not meeting the goals. And so it'll be more likely to continue. And they sort of that was flipped on them in a bad way, because we didn't have another governor that followed in the footsteps.
3: I think, A, that's a stupid thing to do. And B, I think that you're probably right. Um, we, but, but there's, if there's no data driven, if there's no, no data involved, then it's just, it, it's a political whim thing. So, so anyway, going, I think, I think that if you look at the numbers, it's unmitigated success. Of course we cut it. The, but the, the second part is the, the going, again, going back to the 2001 to 2005 service that, that was, and you always say, oh, well, we need these, every bus needs to follow a train route. Well, no, it doesn't. We don't necessarily need service out to Newton overnight. Um, We don't necessarily need service to go to every train station, especially since, you know, if you look at Philadelphia, they run market broad subway overnight. They run buses. Well, it's under a street, so they run the buses on the same street. Our train lines don't run on streets. So running buses to duplicate train lines is just plain stupid. You wind up using a lot of resources. You have long trips. People aren't going to take the long trips. And you're running these, you know, you're going in and out of these little streets. so You can stop in front of the station, which there's really no need to do. So what the idea that I was had that I was talking to – that I've sort of talked about before and I was talking to, to Jeremy about earlier um, is that right now the T runs – and the T does a, a god-awful job of actually letting anyone know about these. You can actually get to the airport before 6 a.m. There are buses – there are a few buses that go from Dudley Square uh, or very early that get there before 5, and then there's sort of one uh, one sort of fleet of buses that – Gets to Haymarket around five, and then there's a, a bus that goes over to the airport. Now, why the airport? The airport is the largest job uh, overnight job center in the in the state. The most the, something like half of the shifts at the airport start before six a.m. So you can't get there by transit. So and the airport because it's across the water, you can't get really get there by bike. I mean, go through Chelsea; it's a ten mile <laughs> bike. It's a terrible <laughs> ride. Can't get there by bike. You can't get there by foot. So even getting people under the harbor overnight. So I think if there is sort of a combination of you know we're looking at over, overnight jobs um, and and you're looking at sort of that kind of accessibility. And maybe talking to Massport, the Massport has a lot of money from parking fees, and they actually have a waiver from the FAA that allows them to use it on surface transportation, which I think is just Massport and, and the Port Authority. A lot of, a lot of politics there, but they, they're allowed to do that. So they have the shuttle that goes from Back Bay to um, South Station. They contract that out, out to a provider, but the provider can run overnight. They run service to uh, lots, in to, to, to sort of remote lots overnight. Let's talk about Focusing sort of on the on the airport as sort of the main driver of overnight goals. So you take those routes that that don't follow train lines, but they provide a pretty good coverage. of the one seventeen east Boston. I think I'm gonna get them all. The eighty nine ninety three, which goes from sort of Davis Square down to um, down through Charlestown. The fifty seven, which does the fifty seven, and then continues in uh, the thirty two thirty nine. So Hyde Park to Forest Hills through JP. That covers like the whole E line and um, Rosendale. And through Ros- Roslindale, uh,
0: you have the um, An extended 15 that does the Ashmont and Mattapan. Yeah, I think
3: it's the 15 and the 28, or the yep. other two, and the 28. Yep, and the 28. So you have these buses that are already doing this. You have this network. The T, the, the for whatever reason, I think that there are a lot of the fault for the T for not saying, "Hey, we have the, this early service." But take that. Take that as sort of the bare bones overnight route service that probably gets within a mile of pretty much all most transit stations. Maybe you add a little to it. Maybe you say, this is what we're starting with and say, we're going to run that for, we're going to run a sort of a five o'clock, a a 5 a.m. hourly service. And then how do you do this mitigation money? Okay. Well, well, running buses is relatively inexpensive. We have these routes. We're going to do a a four o'clock shift and a 1 a.m. shift. So you're sort of covering those shoulder periods. 4 a.m. means that most workers who have a five o'clock start time at the airport can get there. And one o'clock means that people who are coming into the airport late or people who are coming in, um, on flights late or people who are working there late can generally get home. You are not covering the, the, really the, the middle of the night, but that again, you know, you, you, only have two hours left at that point, instead of trying to do this duplication of the rail lines, which really is not, uh, not cost effective, um, and then doing something overnight with and, and running those buses into the into the city, and then having them come back back and forth uh, between the airport and South Station or Haymarket, and then doing some kind of overnight shuttle where you can get from the airport to South Station overnight, um, hourly, half hourly, running a bus back and forth should be relatively inexpensive.
0: Yeah, that, and these that, are good ideas, and I, that, that I also think, oh, that, sorry, it's
3: yeah. also going to obviate the whole thing, you know, with, with the original night owl with the recent late night service where even though the data doesn't support it it's like oh well it was successful a lot of people wrote it but it's all drunk college students and they can you know they can deal with this we, you have to make it about jobs access. You have to make it about low-income workers, and I think that really does. There's a lot of low-income workers at the airport. There's a lot of uh, jobs access issues, and we can really mitigate that. You can and, and, and I'm about to break some ground here. You could have interagency cooperation with <laughs> Massport that? and the MBTA of saying, okay, either how does Massport support this like they do with the, with the Silver Line? Um, or so, so maybe they, they, they throw some money in. How does Massport support it? Or maybe Massport runs it. Maybe these are, are, are trips that are run through a Massport contract, which would then obviate some of the MBTA staffing issues and and the the high cost of service overnight, because I think Massport has different contracts. So something like that, let's, let's, I I sort of hear that, oh, well, we're going to add a couple of trips to some midday trip somewhere in the city that's really sort of you know that's really small potatoes it's not actually fixing anything let's look at what what we want to solve and come up with a way to do that and yeah maybe it's going to and, and then pilot it let's do it for let's do it for a year let's set goals what what do we want the ridership to be oh it's <laughs> yes, exactly goals. what we set did. Goals. set goals set benchmarks what do we want the ridership to be what are we going to change if it doesn't work and and look at okay how and and what what communities are we serving and then do, and then instead of doing it in the dark, like the current early morning service that runs, and you can you can barely find it on the schedules, you know, come out and say, here's our late night. You go to San Francisco; they have a late night map that shows all the buses, that shows the buses which are paralleling but not next to train routes. A lot of cities have this. So come out with a late night map and say, we're going to have service at these hours. It's going to be at this. So then people who have those late shifts or people who are coming in late mm-hmm. on a flight or need to go out early, they know, hey, I don't have to take a $40 cab ride or Uber, Uber ride or whatever to the airport because, you know, I'm going to walk down to the, the, the 32 bus and it'll take 35 minutes. It'll get me to the airport and I get my flight. So I think that that's really where we should go. Of course, I, I, I think we're probably, you know... Where we should go is not necessarily where we
0: will go. So that's, <laughs> well, where do you, you know. think we will go? Yeah. Do you have any idea? Oh,
3: I would not be surprised if it's some lipstick on a pig thing where they, they say, hey, we added a, a bus to the 15 at, at, at 3 in the afternoon, and, and look how that creates more access to jobs. Oh, that's running every seven minutes, so now it's running every six minutes. There's not really any crowding. We can't add buses at rush hour. We don't have the buses. I mean, the, 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 the uh, 73, they are, the T is pushing the state to put up the new wires over the – over. Um, uh, trapello road because the T wants to get electric buses out there so you can move the diesels out elsewhere in the system. We don't we don't have spare capacity for rush hours. So it's gonna be some shoulder thing. They're gonna do it in the mid afternoon because that's the easiest time to do it. It's not really gonna to, to change anything. Maybe you get the I get the FTA to lean on them. But this is an opportunity to say, okay, let's let's how do we do this? And where are our priorities? It's not transporting college kids on Friday and Saturday nights. It's getting low-income work better accessibility for low-income workers. Where do the low income workers work and how can we get them there without spending a lot of money? And I think there's a good answer here. I hope we have that discussion.
0: So I, we have about five minutes left, but I did a very quick analysis um, this afternoon and I basically came up with that if you had if you had added two hours every night. And on ten routes, you it would cost you about eight hundred seventy six thousand dollars. So, do you think uh, we could find eight hundred seventy six thousand dollars?
3: Well, we just saved nine million cutting late night service, and that would be ten routes. I think I named five. Yep. So, five. I was that trying
0: w- to expand a little bit to Lynn and Quincy. Sure. And so, yeah.
3: or so for so four hours, which really gets you, you know, one, two, three, four in the morning. That that you could for two million dollars, you could get ten routes hourly all night long. Which would give Boston a late night transit assist service that it hasn't had since 1961. Um, let's let's talk about that, Let, and and that then you can get into equity. Frankly, if Massport could maybe Massport can kick in half of that, you know. So then you can talk about equity. Then you can talk about access and then you're really going to the, the whole criticism of oh it's just a bunch of kids going going out and drinking at the bar and come they out. They can home. just take an Uber. They can you know what? Frankly if we're going to talk about who can take an Uber it's those kids. And the ones who don't want to, the ones who are, you know, able to take out their phone and figure out, hey, I don't, I don't want to spend thirty bucks getting home there's a bus in twenty minutes, I can go downtown and transfer. Might not be as fast, but it will serve them. What it's really going to serve is the people who come out of the bar at two thirty and there's a bus at three o'clock, and maybe they work downtown. They live in 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 Brighton, and they can get on that overnight fifty-seven. Ten of them get on that instead of taking a cab for thirty bucks. I think that's a good outcome.
2: Mm-hmm. I want to say you know that um, there was a lot of talk in in the media, and uh, I guess at the FMCB meetings, at least in the minutes, a little bit about some sort of public-private partnership. And what I've seen so far, maybe there's something else being worked on. Um, I'm doubtful that anything could happen that could happen without subsidy um and, and be successful but what i've seen so far is uber and lyft have offered these um very low deals for a temporary amount of time you know right up in, in the weeks following like i think uber is said for the first month is it yeah, that, it's the, just the, marketing the, they're, right they're yeah up. exactly it's just Friday, marketing Saturday, and i find nights. it a little insulting actually that yeah, yeah. that we would you know mm-hmm. think that this is some sort of public private partnership it's not it's just them trying to you know Get some of these riders to take Uber for the first time, and then maybe they'll. Yeah, yeah I mean the, stick around. the
0: late night service, quote unquote, failed, uh, not because it it wasn't Uber or Bridge. It failed because the service quality sucked. The, it was not coordinated. It was infrequent. It didn't go the right places, etc. So, and, and it was costly um,
1: for other reasons yeah. unrelated to direct costs. Yeah. So, if, if, if you if want to concede that it failed, if yes. you want, yeah, yeah. yeah, right.
0: Yeah.
3: The one of one of the things about if, if if there was money to be made doing late night service, they would do it. And the way to make money is, and, and and Uber and and Lyft right now are not making money; they are being subsidized by venture capital. Those fares will go up when they have to when when that when that money dries up in two or three or however many years. Um, it's no never going to be the the point of transit is not to make money, and that's one of the issues is that you have you had someone from the FMCB and say, "Oh, we have to look at transit. The whole point is we can't be any less expensive than average." Run it well, like a business. Well, well, right, but average, you know. Average includes rush hour, and rush hour is going yeah. to make money, and then at other times you lose money. But if you look at, you know, you, if you look at it more holistically, this person who is taking, uh, you know, let's say someone has a shift that starts at four a.m. and ends at, at at noon at the airport. Well, if they're right now, if they're driving, they're driving to the airport and then they're coming back at, at later, they're driving both ways. If they, if you provide that, that shuttle, that bus in the morning, that's actually two trips that are out of two fares because they're taking the bus in the morning. They're then coming back at noon when they're in the regular transit system. So that sort of gets lost in the shuffle. So, you know, you, you have to sort of take a holistic approach and, and look at trans, what transit is. And it's not just to you know, make as much, make money on only run the trips you can.
2: On that note, we're going to have to – this is – we're going to have to talk about this more in the future uh, for sure. But on that note, as we begin to um, tie things up with a bow here at the end of the show, uh, I did want to uh, give a prelude to what will be coming in the future. There is a value capture and local ballot initiative initiative legislation moving through um, the state legislature now. We want Mm -hmm. to talk about that more on a future show and also a a transit tax benefit – it's actually a uh, employer transportation fringe benefit is is the is the best name for it um an extension or a an a, um an extension to the state offering benefit or to match federal. matching the federal uh the federal increased benefit is is moving through right now uh what's the senate docket number 2493 i believe yes that's correct um so if you want to go check that out it's actually not much to read but <laughs> um it's definitely these these are three things that if you're interested in we we encourage you to check it out and uh, contact your your legislators um and let them know you support these things and, and learn more about how they can help transit we'll be talking about it more future in in the future uh, episodes of the show
1: yep and congratulations to boston and massachusetts on the opening the reopening
3: of government center
0: it's really nice check <laughs> it out uh and with that um thank you for listening um, you can find us online at transitmatters.info. Please go and check it out and support our work. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Periscope, YouTube, uh, and probably something else, probably Snap Snapchat soon. Can I can um, I
3: jump in? and I mentioned my blog about you 16 got 10 times,
0: seconds. amateurplanner.blogspot.com. Yes, I was going to get there, but thank you. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, good, that's why we brought Ari along to, to remind me uh, what I was missing. Um, anyway, thanks, uh, transitmatters.info. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon.